You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. did it with uh, Jack Frost. Oh, and then they did it and afterwards. And then they did it afterwards. All right. Well, you think they were inspired by this podcast? I think they were because they, they one of the last things that they talked about was the, I'll always hear you. Oh, really? Well, yeah. that's just an obvious thing because of that movie. But they just kind of, they, he highlighted it. Do you think anybody listens to this podcast and thinks that we're getting ideas from other podcasts? I don't know, about maybe. About the movies that we maybe do? Maybe they might. Yeah? I Why? Well, I'm saying, what have we the done, though? The podcast community, that... I'm just talking about, like, if somebody listens, if someone's like, I'm into a podcast about bad movies, let's check these guys out, the editing bay. Well, chances are they've already heard how did this get made, if that's what they're into. Yeah? And then they'll be like, oh, well, great. <laughs> now we've heard them talk about this thing twice. Like there are some we've done a couple movies where I've heard them talk about that movie before we've done it, and I have to like physically right. try not to make the same observation. Yeah, oh, wait they a minute, made. they talked about that. I know what you mean. Yeah, we can't. Well, we we can't censor ourselves. I, what? But I don't. I don't want to censor ourselves. I wanted to do Congo. I, tr- <laughs> I think. I think we give it another month, and we could do Congo. <laughs> I think it's what's it's the statute of limitations far on enough that? removed. They did it two yeah. years ago, right. so now I think we'll be able to do it. All right, I don't even. You know what? I don't even want to do Congo anymore. Yeah, let's not do Congo. Fuck it. Let's, let's do, do the uh, sleepaway. The, camp. Let's do King Kong. Ooh, let's do the Peter Jackson. The Peter Jackson King, King, Kong. King Kong. So that way we okay. can lose four hours of I was our lives. Just life. gonna say, I would do that if it didn't require me to give up so much. Yeah, we got to do the like extended edition too, right? Yeah. Now with 80% more insects. You know what's funny? Not that What? Fun. Man, I don't want to watch brothers and sisters fuck each other. <laughs> no, no. Insects. Oh. Insects. Oh. Things with multiple legs. Yeah. Like human centipede. <laughs> like human centipede. <laughs> yeah. We were both racing towards that joke. Dude, could you imagine if somebody like... A human centipede? Took, took the game centipede <laughs> and like re- gave it a facelift to make it a human centipede kind of game? Would it would just wild. never end. It just, the no. segments would just... Until they just died themselves. Keep coming down. Because you can't... Sustain that. You cannot sustain that. Yeah. The middle one's always going to die. Oh, so it dies from the inside out? Yeah, well, from because the it's to eating the... shit. The, the, the middle and the, and the end. I think we've talked enough about human centipedes <laughs> for what episode. Do you want to do human centipede on the podcast? I don't think I can Or did fucking uh, How Did This Get Made do that movie, too? <laughs> Is that off the list? Because... Some Man. well-known podcast Be with cool about professional H- comedians. H-D-T-G-M. Don't okay. you acronymize that. <laughs> Okay. That's a real word. It is, Look man. it up. Look it, it up. Sounds good. Dude, so we're in tech week now for the play. Oh, yeah. How's that coming along? Well, the fact that we're sitting here almost at midnight <laughs> recording this fucking podcast, uh, it, it's it's some work. It's taking some work. Tonight, man, we were going through the fucking scenes. I blanked on fucking dialogue that I'd never blanked on before that while fucking happen. rehearsing this show. That'll happen. So hopefully it doesn't happen during the fucking performance. That's the good thing, though. You've done it once. Now you remember it. Now it's going to trigger the next time uh, you uh, you get to that line. I so, hope so, man. One done. It's fucking scary. It's yeah. been a long time since I've been in that at that place. I've done. Yeah, like been two, a long time like since shows. you've done a show on stage. No, but I'm saying it's it's been <laughs> it's a been long like time since three months. I've blanked. Completely, like, rehearsing the last two shows I've done, I haven't had that happen. Yeah. But I had it happen with this one. What do you attribute that to? I don't know. I think it's one, I'm probably I'm probably a little tired. Uh, also, there's just kind of been this this air of, like, it, with, with a, 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 a couple, I got to be careful how I say this. Uh, not because, I, I don't mean any disrespect, but I feel like if someone hears this, they cut might this take out, it Jeff. as disrespectful. Cut this part no, out. you don't have to cut this out. Uh, but there is uh, there, there's someone on the cast that kind of struggles a little bit more than everybody else with their dialogue, and it's someone that I've worked with before. There's always one. Um, and back in 2012, it, it wasn't so much that they didn't know their their lines. Mm-hmm. They they're really good on their lines. They don't know their cues. Yeah, that's tough to be left in a in a spot. Yeah, when you're trying to carry on a dialogue on stage. And I feel like maybe, and this is just me trying to make up excuses for myself. <laughs> maybe there's a little bit of like that kind of starts to go around a little bit if you start to experience it enough. Like it oh, kind yeah. of it becomes a little infectious. It's bad bad juju. Yeah, uh, that's racist. By the way. <laughs> no, it's uh, but uh, it's but two of them. It's it's uh, it, it's tough. And also, Larry Shue's writing. He's that's the person that wrote this play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Larry Shue's writing. A, a skilled scriptwriter, for the most part, I mean, you can't do it all the time, but a skilled a skilled scriptwriter mm-hmm. will kind of give, like, conversations will make sense. 
When someone says right. something, it prompts the other person. It's easy like, to it's remember logical. the line. Exactly. If it makes... When it's logical that, like, he says this, Correct. and then she says this in response, yeah. and then this is said in response. Like, some of this play is written as, like, two people talking at each other, like it's a fucking episode of Gilmore That's Girls. That's not going to help. We're yeah. like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Like, going to the next line doesn't make sense. Cross talk. Yeah. Like mammoth. Not the best. Um, so, yeah, but it's coming along pretty well. We open this weekend. We've got our uh, our Oof. free preview night on Thursday uh, and then open this Friday, the 24th, ah. uh, and run for, what, four, four weeks? Nice. I think. Four Working wouldn't get tickets to Go see to this. Go to Pocket Sandwich or, yeah, PocketSandwich.com uh, at the Pocket Sandwich Theater. You can go to the box office. You can give them a call. Uh, go to the website. You can get tickets that way. There's plenty of ways to get tickets to the show. It is not one of the popcorn tossers. Right. It's just a straight Touch. show. So if you're expecting to like throw snacks at the actors. What would happen if I did? If I just sat in the front row? You'd probably get asked to leave. Really? Yeah. Aw. Maybe. <laughs> I'll tell you what, dude. We deserve, What do you got to do to get kicked out of that we place? We deserve man? to have fucking snacks thrown at us because at some point, I will tell you this. Mm-hmm. this you're getting the inside scoop because, oh, wow. hey, I'm part of the show. Um, don't sit in the front row. Okay. Don't Except sit in the, the splash front row. zone. Literally. Oh. Literally the splash zone. Uh, there, like, there is a scene where I do a spit take. No, no. Yeah. You'll be aiming for somebody in the audience you'll every get, night. You'll get misted up <laughs> if you're sitting. Good to know. If you're sitting stage right on the stage right side. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. You just don't sit in the front row. Is it easy show. for you to do a spit take? No. I uh, I had to do one in a show one time, and it never came out as that. Mist that you expect that yeah. people laugh at. I always just look like a fountain, like I was a, <laughs> like I was a, you know, I was one of those uh, cherubs holding a bow and arrow and just just a steady stream. Yeah, made a rainbow. Did you, you were wearing a loincloth. That's, that's well, yeah, that was unrelated, but Dude. yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it is absolutely related to cherubs. Did you ever? You probably had never been there. Uh, there was this pizza restaurant in Irving That's called the most called, hipster thing you've ever said. <laughs> uh, you probably never heard of it. You probably never heard of this. I know of it, uh, of course. <laughs> it's called Crystal's Pizza and Spaghetti. No, you're right. In I Irving, don't know you'd never. That, no. no, I didn't think you had. No, uh, because I'm sure your parents loved you and didn't take you to. <laughs> Didn't take you to horrible restaurants that should have been fucking closed down due to health code violations. Yeah, a lot of Olive Garden in my day. Okay, so that's horrible, too. <laughs> Don't do that to yourself. But when you're there, you're family. And no, you're not. That's not... Hospitaliano isn't a word. It's not a fucking word. No, so this place uh, had different rooms. Like, it was all these different themed rooms. Uh, it had a cartoon theater. And we'd go... Like, we went a lot when we were shooting the variants. We would go over there uh, and grab some pizza and stuff. Your web series. Seasons. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's horrible substandard pizza, but it's cheap. And they had a cartoon theater that still showed like the old racist, like Looney Tunes oh, yeah. and, and Disney cartoons. Um, but oh. they also had like a library themed area where you could eat. And they had these cherubs that were like, you know, <laughs> holding up the pillars. Yeah. They were like babies, baby faces, baby bodies, Uh-oh. but these huge jacked arms. <laughs> they were like all muscular and Trogdor! holding up. <laughs> yes. Burdenating the countryside. Uh, so yeah, that, that's what that made me think of. This whole long fucking journey to get back to Crystal's Pizza. And um, yeah, so that's that's what's been going on with me. So Jenna's, well, I not, Jenna's not in town. Where's Jenna? Wait to see the show. Usually she sits here. She's in Jacksonville, Florida, sadly, this oh, week. Left wow. me all alone. Yep, she's off uh, doing her new job, her new gig. Yeah. Getting trained up. And uh, I'm I'm holding down she, the fort here. Is she now Mickey? Me and the at, da- at, at Disney. <laughs> she's, she's goofy. <laughs> she's actually. goofy. She Man, goofy. I really wanted that goofy. Gig. She's tall. Yeah. <laughs> hey, at least it's Disney. <laughs> Guys, uh, that's, listen to our uh, swingers, swingers episode. episode. Um, that's that's cool. So it's just you, me, and Allie. You, me, and, uh, and Allie's already fallen asleep. <laughs> this fucking podcast. It's better than the alternative uh, of licking her asshole. Which Jenna? No. <laughs> <laughs> Look, dude, I don't need I don't need to know what the fuck you guys do on Tuesdays. We, we go through a lot of peanut butter <laughs> in the Burnson household, let me tell you that. Chunky? <laughs> Depending on what we've eaten sometimes. <laughs> this is the Editing Bay on the Next Wave Radio Network. My name's Joe. Joe. And this is where we come to talk about movies. Sometimes they're good movies, sometimes they're bad movies, no matter what the case, every week. We will watch a movie and then come back here and talk about it with each other. With you, our lovely Editing Bay listeners, we will dissect it, tear it apart, find out what it did right, what it did wrong, and then uh, try to put it back together. Maybe sometimes a little bit better than it was in the first place. Uh, And uh, this week, 
We are talking about Joel's pick. Oh my uh, gosh! And it's kind of double duty. <laughs> Do, duty. Uh, hey, this wasn't my. This was our pick. This, but but this is your week. It was a collaborative. Yes, it was. Well, I, they all kind of merged together because I think you and I have both wanted to do. The last few movies, Catwoman was kind of a joint effort. Yeah. Uh, and this one is too, because we were talking about Robert Redford announced he's retiring. His last movie is coming out, what, this month? Next month? Uh, I think so. I've seen a lot in the month. news, so it's yeah. sometime soon. Uh, and that wanted us to kind of maybe look back, uh, do a little retrospective of his career, and maybe choose one of our favorite films of him. And it sounds like uh, you have, uh, th- this is one of your favorites as it is one of mine. Yeah. And and also, you know, it's, it's kind of cool that... Uh, this also helped us out in another aspect because last week you were like, dude, should we, uh, yeah. should we, should we change the movie? Should we do Blues Brothers because of Aretha Franklin? Uh, sadly. And I, did a, I took to the interwebs, did a little <laughs> investigating, <laughs> found out Aretha Franklin did a song on this soundtrack. I should have known. So I've seen it, this movie so many times. We, we, it fucking counts still. Mm-hmm. So rest in peace, Aretha Franklin. <laughs> this, this concludes our Aretha Franklin <laughs> memorial. <laughs> We've uh, we've we've talked about her, and uh, no, we'll we'll talk about it in a bit. Uh, but yeah, we're talking about 1992's Sneakers. Now, do you think a lot of people have heard of this one? I, I feel like it's a bit of a sleeper hit. I I think that you're right. I think it is a bit of a sleeper hit. But at the same time, I think a lot of people have probably seen this movie, but not known what it was. Oh, really? Yeah. How is that possible? This movie just seems like the kind of movie that you is on like TBS a lot. <laughs> runs on cable. Yeah, and... runs on cable because it's it's mostly family friendly. Yeah. You know, there really isn't much about this movie. That's, it's got uh, Butch know, Cassidy and Mr. Tibbs. Yeah, and River Phoenix. And the voice of my CNN. Own, my own private Idaho. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a great cast. Uh, fantastic. It's a fantastic cast. Dude, a little, uh, little bit of trivia about this movie, though. Let's hear it. Came out on 9-11. I saw that! 9-11, 1992. Uh, directed by Phil Alden Robinson. Love this guy. Also directed one of my favorites, probably one of yours, Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. Uh, also The Sum of All Fears. Mm-hmm. Both of those movies also featured James Earl Jones. Oh, really? Yes, sir. They have a little... Oh, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. Field of Dreams had a huge part in there. The budget on this movie, $35 million. Baseball. Do you know how much it, it brought in? I certainly do, because I looked it up okay, as well. Okay, well, there you go. $105 million. Yeah. Look at that. Over that is three a times. Success. Yeah. A huge success. But I don't think that was... For something that people didn't see, that's pretty good box <laughs> I office. I think it was one of those films that, as they say, has legs. Like, yeah. good word of mouth propelled it uh, through the box office to uh, $105 million. Yeah. Yeah, not only not only good legs in that in that respect that it got people in the theaters but good legs that this movie still stands up you know uh, archaic technology aside Mm -hmm. this movie still stands up well okay it's okay to have archaic technology if it's a period piece and at this point you know 20 something five years on on uh it is a period piece Mm -hmm. it is kind of a little time capsule of what technology was like in 1992 yeah but not laughably so like Mm -hmm. all of this stuff was plausible and in a lot of ways this was on the Vanguard. You said this still holds up today, and I think it does because the themes that it presents, this is one of the kind of first films that was maybe not addressing it, but in a smart and uh, accessible way uh-huh. for audiences. It does a good job of taking what could be just like Star Trek techno babble yeah. and distilling it down to... Here's what this means. Right. Like, in fact, there are evil, even several times in the movie when we're... Where they, know, like, demonstrate what something right. is. Right. And we uh-huh. have this MacGuffin, this this black box, this little black box, and uh-huh. Mary McCormick will just come in and, and in one line say, oh, so it's it's the ultimate it code breaker. That, but there you go. That's all you need to know. And But it's not done in a sloppy way. No, you know, no. It's, every, everything is done... And, and I, man, it, I'm going to be, like, verbally fellating this fucking movie for the next hour Me or so. Me too. Uh, but there's very little that I can pick apart on this movie about what it did wrong or what was frustrating about it. This was a very skillfully balanced film. Like it, it, it flows at a really good pace, especially being like over two hours long. Yeah. It still moves at a pretty good clip. The characters are all engaging. Yes. They've all got a purpose. Like their relationships with each other is defined. What their purpose is to the movie mm-hmm. is well defined and they make sense to be there. And they all have their little moment to shine yes. somewhere within the story. And mm-hmm. like you said, it doesn't feel forced. Everybody plays their parts. There's... But it doesn't and it doesn't feel like, okay, this is your turn to shine. Right. No, like, no, no, no. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of seamlessly organic. exactly. Yeah. The blind guy gets to drive the van in the end. <laughs> Uh, the black guy gets to punch a racist in the face. Like that you've now referred to both of these people as the black guy and the blind well, I guy. Mean, it is a bit both of a... Oscar award winners. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just saying this is an ensemble piece. It, it absolutely is. And it, there are uh, caricatures that all these characters kind of fit into. This is a already a strong and well-developed script 
that is only enhanced by the power of the cast of this movie. Ooh, yeah. Um, but let's let's start off with like what this movie is about. There you go. Um, this is a film about basically you've got this group of hackers, uh, and uh, and they kind of run a security firm. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's their job to really test the security of like of banks and institutions like that that uh and if they're able to find a way to crack it or whatever like they give the results to the company or whatever like That's right. here's our analysis ba 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 bum and it's headed up by Robert Redford's character Marty mm-hmm. uh or Bishop yeah. whenever Martin when, Bishop it made me laugh every time because they kept trying to like shorten his name to like give him a nickname and they hey, always called him Bish yeah and it made me giggle every time because it's like Okay, it sounds like you're calling him sounds bitch. Like bitch. <laughs> it sounds like you're calling him bitch the whole time. Uh, but he kind of runs their uh, he runs their firm, mm-hmm. and we find out that he's got a little bit of a history. That's right. Uh, he's been kind of hiding off the grid because back in what like 1969, uh, he and his buddy Cosmo were hacking into different databases and mm-hmm, stuff, mm-hmm. and he went out for pizza. Right when the cops showed and the up. the cops had shown up, and they arrested Cosmo, and he got away. I love how that shot, by the way. I don't know if you've noticed. It's all in 4 by 3 uh-huh. as in a, a flashback. Yeah. And my God, those, those actors that they got to play young Robert Redford Fantastic. and Ben Kingsley, first of all, they, they, they looked the part. Yep. And then they were able to get the mannerisms down. The dude doing Redford, which is a tall order um, to you know one of the greatest actors of all time. Yeah, you're gonna play a younger version of him. Just do Redford. Yeah, sure. But uh, they pull it off. I mean, disappointing that they do a flashback sequence and it isn't accompanied by all along the Watchtower. Doom, 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 doom. Exactly. Doom. I heard it in my head. If it makes <laughs> you feel better. Uh, and so, uh, so what we find out in the course of this story is that uh, what he thinks is a government um, agency. That has come, you know, they, they've, they've, they've they tracked him down. They track him down. They let him know, like, hey, we know who you really They're are. They're blackmailing and him. We're going to, yeah, we're going to release all your records. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to blow the, the, the top off of this thing. Unless you unless help you us. Unless you help us out, do this job. Mm-hmm. And so he does it only to find out this isn't the U.S. government. And it's a whole plot that's created by his old friend Cosmo that he thought had died in prison. In prison, yep. Nope. But uh, 30 years later, is still holding a grudge. Has kind of become a uh, an evil Bill Gates of sorts. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe that, that, lying kind of low. That's one of the things. If I had to, if I had to key in on anything that I thought that this movie didn't quite do well, mm-hmm. it's developing that Cosmo character. I feel like with everything that Redford and his team are able to do. There's no way he would not have known that his buddy this did not <laughs> die in jail. That, exactly. Like, and this guy who's obviously this tech guru that's working in some like private office somewhere. He didn't even really change his name, did he? No. He's still going by the same name. Yeah. So he would conceivably show up in a, uh, well, I was going to say a Google search. But right. No such there was thing no as Google, Google then. 1992. But they, were, they had ways that they could track people. That we sure. have ways of making you talk. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's probably the only thing about this movie that I felt was a little bit unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, uh, you know, great cat and mouse kind of game. One of the one of the fun things about this movie, and it's uh, if you've ever seen like the movie Hackers, oh yes, which Angelina Jolie, yeah, it, it, which is a, a completely false representation of what it is to be a hacker, <laughs> right? But not only that, there's this aspect of the movie Hackers where it felt like our heroes were always they always had their backs against the wall. They were ever reacting mm-hmm. to the world, and in this movie, it's really great because. You see, like, when Redford gets taken prisoner Mm -hmm. and then is, like, released, he gets his team together, and they immediately start figuring out, okay, where did he go? Yep, piecing shit together. I love that scene. They weren't the victims of circumstance. They took control and were affecting the story. Used it to their advantage. Yeah, as it was going forward. Like, they were... And they didn't give us, like, all of the information. They weren't, okay, this is what they're doing. We got little bits and pieces of, okay, this is what we're working on. There's a motion detector, but then there's also this thing. Well, we didn't know where that was going to come into play, yeah. but we knew those things existed. Just like a good, like, uh, James Bond film yeah. or, or the old Mission Impossible TV series. Uh-huh. This is more like one of the old TV episodes than, yeah. uh, than the modern Mission Impossible movies are. Well, it also does... I'm glad that you said James Bond because oh, yeah. that opening sequence is very James Bondish, where we kind of get that opening bit. We're in the middle of them pulling off a heist. Yeah. yeah. And then it, it, it sets up a huge character that we're going to be coming back and meeting Oh, later you're talking on. about that cold open. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. cold open. It's like, oh, okay, there's Cosmo. Cosmo is taken away. You know... We get so much information in that first scene. I was just... I had written that. That was one of my notes. 
you learn everything you need to know about those two characters and their relationship in that scene. In a very short scene, they set up their kind of philosophy. Uh-huh. They have that kind of same conversation where they're talking about, you know, pause it. La, la, la. Here's A. What yes. happens? Consequence. This is what happens. What's a conclusion uh-huh. that comes into play later when yeah. they're talking about bigger themes? Um, Cosmo. Cosmo? <laughs> that sounds weird yeah. to say his name. I think of Cosmo Kramer now. <laughs> ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley. It, does the uh, the coin trick in the palm makes him pick you know which one it's in and then you realize oh it wasn't in either of them he was tricking so you you learn that a he knows that trick but then b he's also open to deceit yes. for his friend in order uh-huh. to get his way and he also says the uh, that the line that it's whenever you hear this line in a movie you know this person is going to be a villain <laughs> don't trust anybody right yep I mean if you've ever seen Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade that's right you've got the Donovan character that's like I told you don't, don't trust anybody trust me. and I love that I love that Spielberg took that and like highlighted it and it's like dude but it's true every time you watch a movie if someone says don't trust anybody they're the ones they're the one yeah and uh just and, like uh gary oldman from a uh, lost in space a few right. episodes ago Blech. listen to that episode yeah that's just as good as sneakers <laughs> um but no that you you're right you get the, the the relationship that they have between the two of them that the relationship and how how they they're different characters like they are two different people somehow compatible though in this in this way in this thing that they share mm-hmm. and it does come back in the end i love that i love that whole bit at the end where ben kingsley's like we were going to change the world that's what we were out to do that was the mission yep. and robert, and robert was like, was like no. we were just it having was, fun it was it a was prank, a prank. Mm-hmm. uh and to see like that robert redford it was a prank and like this is what he decided to do with his life mm-hmm. to make his living uh, and like Ben Kingsley just kept focusing on that that revenge, but even that said, and even my gripe about them not developing his character enough, there is still enough going on with Ben Kingsley playing the Cosmo character. There is still enough going on under the surface that makes him still a sympathetic character. Oh, like sure. That very last bit where he's like, "Stay, stay here, yeah. stay with." He, even to the end, he's still trying to recruit him. Yeah, he's like, you, "We we both share the same philosophy." You're the only person who understands me and what this technology can do. Right. And it, I think, and maybe I'm reading too much into it. No, it's, it's, it's not intentional. It's not so much the, uh, the that you understand this technology and you understand what it can do. I looked at it from more of a human level where, like, you're the only one that understands me. Oh, uh, yeah. You know? And, like, th- 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 there was a part of that that kind of broke my heart where I was like, oh, yes, man. This guy's lonely. And and even in the way that he plays it, when he opens up the case and realizes there's nothing there, his reaction isn't, I'm going to grab my gun and shoot at you. Right. It was, damn it, he, he beat me at my own game. Yep. Uh, he does know me better than anybody else. A fitting end. Yeah. Much better than the villain falling off a building. Which right. I was afraid they were going for. Nobody They're died on a roof. In this there's movie. a helicopter yeah. with a light shining on them. They were setting it up. It's This is... It's a movie where, and if you want to talk about a movie that smartly subverts expectations, <laughs> that is what's going on in Sneakers. Like you said, in any other movie, Ben Kingsley and Robert Redford would have gotten into a fight, and Ben Kingsley would have fallen off the roof. Mm-hmm. Instead, they have a very mature exchange. Mature, but still satisfying at the end. You know, it is it is a deceptively smart movie that isn't too smart for its own good. I totally agree. It does it with the storytelling and, and the uh, the performances that these actors give. It also does it in the filmmaking. I'm a big fan of this director, as we said, Field of Dreams. Uh-huh. But also, I appreciated the way this film was shot. Yeah. Um, it's, it's deceptively simple looking, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of different... Uh, Tracking techniques? Are you going to talk <clears throat> about some of that? Uh, no. Okay. What do you mean tracking? Okay, so like whenever there's like a a big group shot, like Uh. people are talking and there's stuff going on, and it's always like it tracks one character and like 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 the scene Ah, where um Dan Aykroyd, who by the way, thank God he didn't keep that long hair thing going on (laughs) because he looked fucking yeah. I don't want to say horrible. He just looked weird. Like it was it, it was jarring to see Dan Aykroyd like that. Like if you were to do this movie again. Uh, like to redo it, like that would be just a younger character or something. <laughs> uh, but the scene where he and Sidney Poitier are walking down the stairs talking about like these are the things we we should talk, call the authorities. Who are we going to call? We can't uh, do this. Yeah. And they walk, and then here comes Redford into the frame yep. from the right, and they start tracking him instead. I loved that. Yep. Like it was that was really good. That's that's skillful, and that takes a little bit of as a director. It takes work. It means that you've taken time to to yep. map out your shots and choreograph what's going on from a storytelling standpoint. During that scene where uh, the the two lackeys, played by uh, Timothy Busfield and uh, what's the other guy's name? 
Oh, I don't remember oh, his name. name. I can't think. I of it, know who you're talking about, though. They're the guys who end up being the the henchmen for uh, for the Ben Kingsley character, but we don't know it early on. Timothy Busfield just like disappears halfway through this movie, doesn't he? He no, no, he's he's at the end uh, with the two oh, of them when right. they get captured because he's <laughs> the one who's going to shoot them. <laughs> yes, uh, and then ends up uh, getting jumped on by River uh, Phoenix. Spoiler alert. That's right. Uh, but but the scene where they first show up Steven and Stephen Tobolowski. <laughs> Stephen Tobolowski is We're going to get to him. Oh. He's amazing. He's he. I, this is the movie where I discovered Stephen Tobolowski. Oh my god. Uh, but with that scene where they show up and they're they're slowly telling Robert Redford, hey, we know who you are. We know who your team is. Not only do you have a past, but they all have a past, too. Uh-huh. And as, you know, he's pulling out the files and, and he's going one by one. Mother, you know, did 12 months and blah, blah, blah. The way that's shot where they're doing some nice rack focus where we're seeing him talk. And the, but it's all, like you said, perfectly timed out. You knew in advance where all these, uh, where, how all the pieces were going to fit together. Sure. Yeah, nicely done. But one more thing I wanted to point out. There, he's doing something with lighting and shadows. Uh-huh. There are a couple of scenes where somebody will step into the light or step out of the light, right? As they're saying a very important line. Yeah, yeah. Like his, his Russian buddy who's, uh, who's you're not sure if he's a good guy, not sure if he's a bad his guy. his name, Greg? Yeah, yeah Greg. Greg, exactly. And there's a scene where he's trying to convince him to come with him, and he's, he's standing on a flight of stairs, and as he steps into the shadow, he's like, do you trust me? Uh-huh. And it's very the, 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 the disparateness uh-huh. of, uh, of what he's saying versus the visuals. Yeah. And that's just really striking. There's a couple of moments here that are like that. So oh, yeah. I, I really appreciated that. Uh, I think that they, they did it again when Redford finally is dropped back off, and he's at Liz's apartment. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I can't do this alone. And I think he does kind of the same thing where he's like, his face comes out of the shadows. Yeah. The uh, very first time we see Robert Redford post uh, the flashback, uh-huh. his his face is like bathed in light and you're not uh, like red light. Yeah. You're not sure where he is. Is he in prison? What's happening? How long has, has time passed? Uh-huh. Sidney Poitier is like, it's time. And then he kind of moves into the light, and it's, it goes from the red to the, mm-hmm. to the warms. Man, the, the ensemble, this cast works so well with each other. Like, the, the, the way that Sidney Poitier and Robert Redford work off of each other, really <laughs> great. But, the, it, like, this is such an unusual grouping of actors. Right? You know, like, Robert Redford and Sidney Poitier, okay, I get it. Like, those two, they're established. Mm-hmm. I get that they would work well Dramatic with each other. powerhouses. Yeah, David Strayhorn was like an unknown Still quantity at that point. undiscovered, exactly. But he is fucking amazing. This is in where this I discovered him as well. River Phoenix, who had done like some great work up until this point. This is one of his last movies. Yeah, he, he died a year after this uh, film came out. And then you've got uh, Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> who everybody knows. but And I think everyone would kind of dismiss as like, oh, it's fucking Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, why would they cast him in this serious spy thriller? Who still does a really good job. Yeah, in very this believable. Movie. And they're all... The relationships between all of them are so well developed. I love a good film or even TV show. I like good films about, too. About the, there you go. This is the editing band. <laughs> I love a good film um, about the work family. Yeah. Like uh, one of my favorite movies is The Paper by uh-huh. Ron Howard. One of my favorite TV shows is Sports Night, uh, Aaron Sorkin. Um, the relationships. And I love people um, who are brought together by adversity and uh, just kind of that shared bond. Uh-huh. I don't know, really good casting. Yeah. Can't okay. speak highly I like that we see them working together, and, and originally when they take this job, everybody's like, you know what? We could use the money. Let's go with this. And, mm-hmm. and Robert Redford's whole thing is like, I just want to get my name cleared. Yep, I and just like, don't want to go like, to jail. I don't care about your name, but I'll take the money. <laughs> and it's really cool throughout the course of the story, and it happens very subtly where it, you know, once Robert Redford is taken and they find out that they've been, they've been duped, mm-hmm. Like they do come together as yeah. as a work family. They come together. and They're like, no, we're going to do this. We're going to make things right. Um, we haven't talked much about uh, uh, Maureen. What's her name? Maureen, uh, Maureen, Mary Maureen. McCormick. Mary McCormick. Maureen McCormick was Mary McDonald. My sorry, she was Marsha Brady. That's Mary nice. McDonald. Uh, she um, her relationship with Robert Redford is also really well done. Like this is this is a great performance between the two of them. And one of the things that I love about the way that their relationship is written. Mm-hmm. If you're ever looking for a relationship between a man and a woman that is on par with Han Solo and Princess Leia from Empire Strikes Back, Very this astute. is fucking it. I agree. Because these are two people, these are two characters that stand toe-to-toe with each other throughout this entire film. Mm-hmm. She's not just a typical, like, you know, oh, she's the token woman that's in this movie. She is also a, a, a force of nature herself that uh, I, I, I love... How she already knows him. She knows his methods. She knows where he's going. Mm-hmm. She knows when he's trying to manipulate her. Right. And she chooses whether or not she's going to let him. And you can tell 
It's her choice. Exactly. He's never fooling her into anything. And I love that there's that hinted history that never really kind of come around. Yeah. I mean, there's, oh, you're back together. No, we're not back together. That's a constant theme throughout. <laughs> and they're so comfortable with each other that, right. like, the Redford character that Marty calls her dummy. Like, they'll yeah. be sitting there, and he's like, no, dummy. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, and I know it's a small thing, but uh, that's something you don't see a lot of in film, that, like, two characters that are so comfortable with each other that, like, even though you could tell that there is a, a, a love, there's an affection towards one another, mm-hmm. that he's, but he's still like, no, dummy. It didn't turn me off. It's that scene where uh, he basically uh, jokes about her being a prostitute. It's like, well, yeah. we definitely don't have enough money for her. <laughs> She kind of gives him a playful little slap. Well, like after the, when they find out they've got that box and she has to stay the night, and she's like, "Bye, guys. It was nice sleeping with all of you." <laughs> yes, there is that nice scene when they're partying when they think they've successfully uh, to the Aretha Franklin to music. the Aretha Franklin song, chain, 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 chain. And um, they're all all we get to see all the different characters dancing with her in like a little montage, and I thought that yeah. was cute. Yeah, they're they're a great Whistler. Team. Um, Whistler's fantastic. David, yeah, he really he's is. He's my good. favorite. I love his opening where he's reading something on Braille. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, he's reading. And he's reading Braille. And then he closes it and it's Playboy. <laughs> it's a Playboy. And that, but that's so fucking great. Like, there is one person who definitely buys Playboy yep. for the article. He's reading it for the articles. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something about his character that they almost make him like Daredevil. <laughs> where, <laughs> where he's like, he's not only is he blind. But he's got that. He like, fights he on hear, uh, children's playgrounds. Stuff. Uh, yes, he fights on children's playgrounds. Um, there's there are a couple things about his character where I feel like they they overcompensate a little bit with him, but it doesn't. It's not. It doesn't take me out of the story. Um, there's a little bit when they have the box and he they keep hacking the different sites. Yeah, and it's like. Each one of those sequences is <laughs> like punctuated. Wanna... Yeah, it's <laughs> yes. punctuated with a, anybody want to do this? Anybody want a peanut? Anybody want to bring down a plane? A- anybody want to rob a bank? I had that same and, thought. And I was like, ooh, this is a little weak. The writing on this is a little weak. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. that one little sequence. I feel like it was added in after the fact. Like they had to hammer it home Of like, uh, this is what audience. we could do here. And if we're going to talk criticisms, that is one of the few criticisms I have. That this film is a little heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the reasons that you and I gravitated towards it was because of where we were in 1992 Mm -hmm. this was a a spy movie that like you said this would have been rated pg or even g um if were it not for a couple of cuss words because there's not a lot of violence anytime somebody's shot which happens rarely it's kind of off screen or from wide yeah Um, like when greg and his like his driver get shot yeah that's right there's no blood we don't see any blood no um and so they added in some cursing um and a nice f-bomb near the end uh to, to bump it up to make it a little more uh, that really was. That was surprising. Adults, Watching yes. that again and Sidney Poitier is like, motherfucker. mess with me. I'll split like, your head. It's like, wow. I love it. I didn't remember that. I remember rewinding that when I was younger. <laughs> but like, eh, he said the MF word. So great, Don't though. turn it up. Mom's going to hear it. But no, you're, you're, you're right. There's, um, and there's something refreshing about a spy movie like this that uh, it doesn't have, like, if this were made today, like everyone would try to gritty it up. Like it had to be other, oh, it'd have to be a torture scene. Oh, sure. And it would have to be a body count, and the girl would probably die. Like somebody on the main cast would die. The Dan Aykroyd character would die. Absolutely, because yeah. he's the yeah, he's the Scotty. He was kind of the goofy the comic shirt. relief. Mm-hmm. He would die within the like the last mission or whatever. That exactly, last bit. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, maybe something wouldn't. There would be some sort of scar, but here it's kind of a happy ending, and 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 comical yeah. at that. You mentioned uh, the way this movie is balanced, and I think it does a great job of kind of mixing that comedy and keeping it Uh lighthearted while still having some high stakes. They did do something, though, that that turned us off on Mission Impossible 2. I don't know if you remember this. Uh When when Robert Redford goes to drop off the box Mm -hmm. and Sidney Poitier's waiting by the car and then looks down and sees (laughs) sees the newspaper. Okay, so there there are a few (laughs) moments that are a little sloppy. Okay, so first of all, we're to believe that somebody bought a newspaper, placed it in the car, and then didn't read it. They didn't read it. It's the front page. Does the car just come with a newspaper in the back seat? Yeah. And you choose to look at it or not? The latest (laughs) newspaper. Exactly. It's like sometime between when they fucking went in his office... Mm -hmm. And Robert Redford, oh, by the way, great fucking scene, Robert Redford and the Russian woman, when they go into that, <laughs> yes. they went to Donald Logue's uh, office, I, the fucking Dude, Donald Logue. I had no idea that was him. I've seen this movie a dozen times. Gunther. I didn't know who he was. And, yeah. and now it's funny going back and watching him do this, because I know him from his comedy. Yeah. And here he is being this like serious mathematician. <laughs> it's all about the numbers. 
so they go into Gunter's office, and Robert Redford Gunter. has he gets caught by his mistress. That's right. And uh, not even his mistress, just another scientist that he's having a relationship Bang. with. But he convinces her that like Gunter has a wife, and that yes. that fucking sequence, <laughs> and it, it, like, because they're talking into his ear, he's wearing an earbud, and Sidney yeah. Poitier and David Strathen are are feeding him lines, <laughs> yeah. and, and and they're trying to help, but then near the end, they're just like fucking with him. Yes, <laughs> and, and like Robert Redford's like the best thing you could do is just just be just be there for him. Mm-hmm. Don't make him know what you know. That you're not supposed to know. No, you that know? you know. <laughs> you know? So fucking well written. So fucking great. Wonderfully executed. And give him head whenever but, yeah, he wants. When David Strayer was like, and give him head whenever he wants. And Robert Redford starts to say, he's like, and give him help. <laughs> give him help. <laughs> and they just, just little moments like that that uh, show you the relationship between the characters that they can be serious, they have each other's back, but they're going to fuck with each other every now and this then. This was the first Sidney Poitier movie mm-hmm. I'd ever seen. Oh, really? And, like, before this, there was always... I always had this weird, like, idea of his reputation in film that, like, all he did is serious... Yes. Call me Mr. Mr. Tibbs. And... Building churches. And to watch this movie, like, this is this is one of those... And I know it's probably because these guys are good actors. You know, you, you can never know for sure. But this is definitely one of those movies that felt like everybody truly enjoyed working on the film and enjoyed working with each other. Stephen Toblowski is on record as saying this is one of the most fun he's ever had uh, on a film. He just said the set, like, every day, was yeah. lighthearted. Uh, and he's only in a portion of the film. Yes, he is. Although a very impactful... Jesus, though. My name is... So great. Werner, Werner Brandis. My name is my... Passport? Verify <laughs> me. I love that. <laughs> this movie's kind of quotable, too, between that and the Sea Tech Astronomy. Yeah. Too many secrets. Too many secrets. I love... Which I, I decoded before they did, in this, and it's probably because I'd seen this movie once before, uh, but while they were going through it, I was like, too many secrets. Too oh, many, like the first time you saw it? No, no, I'm talking about this time watching it. Oh, you had I, forgotten I decoded, that that's what it was. I had forgotten for? that that was what it was. And oh, I was like, man. oh, it's, I went, oh, too many secrets. And then it ended up being too many secrets. So I was yeah. like, I wonder if I actually got that or if I just remember it, like subconsciously remember it from watching it the Probably. first time. There's a couple of movies that have used uh, too many secrets, but this is the one that stands out to me. Yeah. And I love that they play into that in the opening credits, which it's a bit of a callback. Um, oh, yeah, the anagram The credits. way they do the anagrams, uh-huh. where uh, even the Universal Pictures is turned into, you know... A, Elvis something. A, pu- a puppy yeah. or something, yeah. And Robert yeah. Redford is uh, Red Rocks... Fort Red... Red... Yeah. Something. Yeah. Yeah, Fort Redbone. And the letters kind of... turns into their names. It's clever. We get a little bit of that when Whistler is using the box or whatever. Yeah. And that's another question I have. I guess it's because I'm not a blind person, so I don't know what the technology is. But, like, when he's, like, he's got the box or whatever, and he's like, wow, this code is, like... And I'm like, is someone really that skilled? Can a so, blind person just like get like the ones and zeros on their fingers and be like, I'm I'm sensing weird stuff in this code. I feel like there's a lot of this that is done for uh, just for film. Yes, for film to make the audience understand. Oh, okay, so there's there's some code here. This guy's really smart, but he's also blind. He can read it. That's all you need to know, and that's fine because it's still somewhat believable. It's not it's not it's not magic. Right. Uh, all of the technology is kind of grounded, and in fact, has kind of been. Proven out in the decades since. Uh-huh. Like, we have cryptocurrency, and yeah. we have, you know, crazy algorithms that are unbreakable. This this movie was, uh, what's your word, prescient? Yes. Prescient. yes. <laughs> um, it's not my word. I think that's your word. It is a you, word. You made up this thing. <laughs> I love how, uh, just to kind of talk again a little bit on, like, how it subverts what you where you think the story's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, when Cosmo, like, is like, I'm going to hit enter on this computer... And everyone's going to know what your alias is. They're going right. to know that it was your prince on the gun and blah, 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 blah. And Robert Redford's like, don't do that. Please don't do it. And he hits it. And then he's like dropped off. And then you hear the radio report later, or the TV report. And it's like, yeah. the gun belonged to this person who was found dead, yada, yada, yada. Right, right. And I'm like, so Cosmo didn't give him up. That He was just bluffing. Mm-hmm. Like that's, and it's weird because that's something you'll miss. If you're not paying attention to the TV right. thing, you're going to miss that part. But it's it's yeah. a good way to like... It it wasn't they weren't giving the information in a sloppy way. No, um, and he's even like you know it, it was an anonymous tip that was given, and he says yeah. under his breath, "Yeah, anonymous, my ass." <laughs> yeah. uh, there's there's that sequence, and this was the sequence that I remembered the most uh, after seeing it the the first time, and then coming back to it and watching it again. And this is like a sequence that I, I fucking loved it then, and I loved it again 
when he's trying to like recount when he was in the truck, the mm-hmm. trunk of the car, mm-hmm. and they're trying to recount like his journey. Yeah. What did it sound like? That was com- I remember that being compelling. Me too. And it still was compelling there, watching them figure this out. There are several scenes like that. These moments of discovery, and he, like you said, that's one of them. And the initial scene where they're figuring out what the black box can do uh-huh. is nice as well. And it's it's a combination of um, the escalating, uh, you know, the, the scene is escalating itself. What's going on? The dialogue, the tension. But then also the music. I'd be remiss if we don't talk about the James Horner score for this yeah. film, which is one of my favorite, not only James Horner scores, but just film scores in general. Like, I love this theme. We've got Wynton Marsalis on the, was it, the clarinet or the mm-hmm. saxophone, alto sax. Yeah, man. Uh, so it's a little, it's it's non-traditional. It's not Star Wars-y yeah. orchestra. Yeah. Um, but there are some orchestral moments to it. Well, but it be- is very musically driven. Well, it's it's It plays, <sighs> musically, it's not... Unlike the Sting, yeah, you know, there's and it's weird because this this film does marry some Robert Redford properties together, where it's like, oh, it's kind of like the Sting, it's kind of like Butch and Sundance, mm-hmm. you know, there there are elements of that that they make work in the context of this film, this techno this techno thriller kind of thing. Actually, come to think of it, the beginning of the Sting is very similar to the beginning of this movie, uh-huh. where he's got another partner, yeah, the cops show up, uh-huh. kill the other guy, and uh, he gets away because yeah. he was out getting sandwiches uh-huh. or something. Yes, <laughs> it's 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 a weird like this. This is definitely a self-aware film. And from what I understand, I did a little bit of reading on this. This movie had been in development for a while. Really? It was supposed to be like a war game sequel or... It feels like war games. Yeah. Um, and and definitely updated for the 90s. Right. Um, I really don't have a whole lot of notes on this. I think my only other criticism on this movie is like this point in the end where Robert Redford's fighting one of the henchmen and uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Mary McDonald. Mary McDonald had a farm. She uh, she shoots the gun and she's like, "I'm a great marksman, woman." <laughs> woman. But like she shoots and the slider on the gun is back, indicating it has no more oh, ammo. Oh, interesting. And was that like, a, that was if, a flub then? I guess it was a flub, or maybe it was deliberate. But if I'm that guy fighting Robert Redford, I'm like, you don't have any more bullets. Yeah, you I'm would gonna know. keep fighting. Yeah. So that was it. Like the slider's back, and I kind of felt like, did they just keep the practice? Did they practice it? And like, oh, we'll just keep that one. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, guys, if you ever see the slider back on a gun, uh, that means there's no more ammo. Out of left. bullets, so go after that person. Attack away. Yeah. Um, you heard it here first. Yeah, this. I mean, all I have. I mean, if I look at the rest of my notes, it's all just I really love this I part, know. and this part was really good, and I like that they did this. I like James Earl fucking Jones, man. I, I like the gadgets that they have, um, and I, I love that scene where uh, they're kind of they're a little bit on the run, and they're in Mary McDonald's apartment. They've all kind of set up shop. They've moved in all their equipment. They've taken over. <laughs> this is a really nice apartment, and they're gonna <laughs> 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 it's fucking dead heck, right? No, oh, that, that was, was uh, River Phoenix, wasn't it? He's really good too. He's very yes. understated. Um, but they're in there, and they're going to do that thing where we're going to—we're not going to wait to be called. We're going to call them, uh-huh. and it's that scene where there's—it's the obligatory. The call is being traced yeah. scene where they how have, does how does Whistler know how close they are? If like, can't see it's a visual it. screen, obviously for us, for the audience to see. But like Whistler keeps turning, he's like, they've got. They got the satellite in Tokyo. Yeah, these guys are good. These guys are good. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the it's fucking NSA. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're pretty good. But I was just kind of curious, like how he knew how close. That they were like, they got this one, they got this one. Like, I felt like they should have had, they should have maybe put River Phoenix there. And like, hey, they got this one now. Or, yeah. Uh, there, there are just some points where, and I know it's kind of Scooby Shaggy-ish, where you always have to pair David Strayhorn up with someone mm-hmm. so they could be his eyes. But I thought, like, in the context of that scene, like, Sidney Poitier should have been there. Or River Phoenix should have been there. Dan Aykroyd was already doing his thing where he's like, hey, he's lying. I can see, you know, on this thing, he's being sincere. But they should have had somebody else that had a little bit of a, a little bit of visual insight. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, maybe River Phoenix, just because of all of because the group, he, he kind of has the least to do. That's in true. This movie. Yeah, he's the pretty boy. Yeah, he's the, the young kid. Yeah, but, Le- learning the ropes from but, the old professionals. But what you were saying that that, that scene where they call. They call up James Earl Jones. Yes, and it's 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 they're talking to James Earl Jones, and uh, can you you know what does he say? Can you guarantee our safety if you come yeah. in? And the music is slowly escalating in the background, and we're cu- cutting away to the screen as you're seeing the little Indiana Jones line move yes. across the world, get closer and closer. This movie has a nice ebb and flow to it. It does. Uh, it, it it'll bring you up, and then it'll kind of coast down, and it's just constant roller coaster all the way to the end. 
Um, and it's it's just exciting. I love this sort of stuff. I love mm-hmm. spies and espionage. But I also appreciate that it's kind of in a, in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. It's Baby's first spy movie. Yeah, but not even that. Because if it was Baby's first spy movie, I figure that it would probably be a little That'd bit more rudimentary kids. in the script. Yeah. Like it would be a little more simple. This isn't a simple script. This is... It's... <sighs> It might deceive you at first. It might feel a little simple. And I think anybody that would call this simple uh, doesn't understand everything that's happening in this film. And I'm not just talking about from like a story standpoint. I'm talking about like the pieces that it took. I heard somebody once say that when a movie is made and it actually works, that's actually a miracle. Um, right. That most of the time the story is the movie is not the it doesn't end up the way it was supposed to. There's so many fucking forces at work that it's amazing that a movie ever gets done, much less be a good movie. <laughs> right. Not only is this a good movie, this is a great film. Uh, I agree, and it's it's from the bones all the way to what you see on the exterior. This is a fucking fantastic film, and uh, and and yeah, there's there. It speaks volumes to the level of professionalism. You know, you've got a good director, someone who knows how to craft a story, mm-hmm. and you've got great actors. Um, I, I love that when everything kind of comes back together at the end, and James Earl Jones is waiting for them it in shows the office. Up. Yep, and like it could have totally been a scene where he's like, "I'm going to take this box and I'm going to leave," but instead, like there's this whole scene of demands, <laughs> where it's like, "Well, I want to go to Tahiti. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'd like you will buy me two first, first class, class tickets, tickets to." <laughs> Europe and, and all these. these all the demands and I love that River Phoenix just wants that one girl's the number one girl from and number. Robert Redford takes him aside and he's like look this is the brass ring yeah you gotta uh, dream a little bigger dream a little bigger he's like I just want her number <laughs> she's like you can have anything in the world and you just want my number she gives it to him you know I, I actually um, I feel that sometimes and in that scene in particular the movie leans a little more towards more the safe. comedy a little more a little towards safe. I, I don't want to say that that's a cop out I'll tell you the issue I had with it. The entire movie, the, the theme of the movie, right? Where it's about, uh, you know, Ben Kingsley says it in his soliloquy. It's okay. It's all about the information. You know, we're not fighting with muscles anymore. We're fighting, and again, prescient because we're seeing that right now with yeah. the 2016. Again, the fucking Russians right. meddling in the election. I, I, liked, I liked how in the movie the guy's like, things are different now. Our countries are friends. And I'm like, right. yeah, we nope. still spy on them. Nope. They still spy on us is the not response. Any, not anymore. Nope. <laughs> we're back to where we were. I know. Uh, if we ever left. Yeah. And we're just being naive. This is true. So, so the theme of the movie is, uh, you know, not, no man should have all that power to quote the great Kanye West. If I may, um, not not what is it? No, no man. No, it was no one look, man. I'm happy have... for you, and I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> but Beyonce had the greatest video of all time. That's right. No one man should have all that power, uh-huh. right? Isn't that how it goes? No, it's uh, George Bush does not care <laughs> about, about black people. people. <laughs> it, Why are you laughing? Any and all of those above. No, because it's it's it, you. You have to laugh or you'll cry, Joe. That's true. Right. This is true. Uh, so, so those are kind of the themes that it's talking about. You know, uh, Ben Kingsley wants to use the power to to bring the whole system down, kind yeah. of Tyler Durden style. Yeah, uh, and uh, Robert Redford is just trying to do what's best best for the people. Yeah, trying to keep it out of everyone's hands. Best for yeah, best for his. people. So that's what they're fighting for the entire time. They're they're risking uh, you know their lives, and finally they have it in the end, and they keep the bad guy from getting it. Uh huh. And then in the very last scene. <laughs> They totally do a 180 and use it, like, do exactly what they said they weren't going to do, which kind of... But he keeps the chip. He, no, that's what I'm saying. Oh. And then they use it to, oh, give to, money, to, take to money steal away money from, from the, from the RNC committee. and give it to, like, Greenpeace and I the NCAA. That, you know what, though? That never actually happens. Like, that's something that's told to us at the end. Yeah. And I news. almost feel like that's, like, a note from the studio, like... It's a you note from Robert throw, Redford. You need to throw this in. Like, throw uh, this in there. You think Redford was behind that? I, he, I mean, like he's a known. Uh, you know, he's he's very Pedophile? left. Oh, left yeah. no, no. He's very, <laughs> very left leaning in his uh, philosophies. That's true. And uh, no love for. In fact, he even uh, takes a shot at George Bush Senior in that one. You know, there's the homeless guy. Yeah. Sitting on the and as Redford's walking past, he's like, "You got any change? The government took my home." And he's like, "Talk to him." And he points to a, a poster yeah. of George Bush hanging. So there's, there's some. Uh, there's definitely. Some <laughs> Some, some jabs. left-leaning themes in the film. But I just thought that, that that was the wrong way to end the film, especially when the message the entire time has been, nobody gets to decide who uses this power, no one should have it. I gotcha. And then they use it for their own personal gain at the end. See, 
on the topic of ending it though funny, mm-hmm. like kind of ending it humorous, I feel like that's not uncharacteristic of this film. Uh, especially when you have moments in this in this movie where you know, like it, when Redford's going in to try to steal the box the first time, and they come to the door and <laughs> yeah. it's got the code, and he's like talking to Sydney Portier. Sydney Portier's he's like, like, so here's, right, so what, here's you what you got to do, and all you have is Robert Redford's side. He's going, uh huh, yep, yeah, uh-huh. and then right, okay, okay, uh huh, right, and I, okay, all right. And I'll then give he it just, a try. I'll give it a try. And then he just kicks the door in. <laughs> that was a very good of Indiana Jones <laughs> moments. Where instead of uh, using the whip, I'm just going to pull out a gun. That worked. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's that's really that. And uh, and when they're they're spying on Gunter, and they've got like the telescope, and yeah. uh, they're getting ready to have like Gunter and the woman are getting ready to like have sex, and uh, Robert Redford's like, oh. And River Phoenix comes over. He's like, let me look. He's like, grow up. Get out of here. And then Sydney Portier sneaks yeah. up. He goes, let me take a look. Let me take a look. <laughs> <laughs> Again, shit that you don't imagine, like Oscar award winning Sydney Portier. Uh, so he takes a role that probably on paper seems like it's below him and really classes it up. Everybody classes it up a little bit. I feel like this was one of those things where the casting director was like, okay, we've got so and so and so on board. Do you want to do it? And everybody signed up based on. I feel like it was like Redford. Yeah, was, you think he probably like, handpicked his cast. Probably handpicked the cast for this movie. I agree. Uh, because River Phoenix was up and coming at this point. Like his star was on the rise still. It's so difficult to watch this movie in particular and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and see him and 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 to look at his brother and just think, oh, this is what his career would have been like. River yeah. Phoenix would have been in Oscar-nominated things. He would have been doing heavy roles. He would have been doing everything. He would yeah. have been one of the, the great... He was one of the He would greats. have been Leonardo DiCaprio. Absolutely. Before Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, he, he would have been the Scorsese's go-to guy. Yeah, that's Take true. Taking too soon. It is. How did he die? Uh, overdose. Oh, okay, accidental? Yeah. I assume so. Jesus. Uh, oh, I don't so know, sad. man. It's been a while. Um, do you have anything else? Any other notes about this? Ooh, let's see. The sound. Nope, those are all the nights I have. Other than the fact that I'm surprised that Marty isn't like brain damaged from from being fully concussed, like knocked in the head twice. He gets oh, fucking oh. knocked out <laughs> when, when the they, shoot, they shoot. Fucking, and and that's <laughs> I guess that's one other note is that I, I'm there really is no reason why Greg and his driver needed to be killed or why yeah. the Gunter scientist had to be killed. Seemed like Those seemed to be done just to kind of raise the stakes oh, for the viewer. we're in some real danger. Because um, other, other than that, you really could have executed this movie without killing any of these characters. Yeah. This could have been a fairly safe spy movie, but still compelling. Uh, but yeah, when when they kill Greg and his driver, and then like the one henchman guy comes up, knocks out Redford. In the face. Redford wakes up in the car. Luckily, he has matches. Um, <laughs> but he wakes up in the car, and then the car stops, and the hood opens, and the guy's like, "What are you doing up?" And then just <laughs> knocks him out again. That POV shot. Jesus. Well, he gets his comeuppance in the end. That's uh, that's yeah. what makes it even more satisfying at the end when Redford's <laughs> got him at gunpoint, and he kind of just gives a, "Oh man!" And he fucking hits him in the face. <laughs> like that's for the last two times. I did. I did like when he was like, "Not the head again," and he just chokes him out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the scene between Redford and Ben Kingsley gave me kind of an MCU giggle. Because I was like, oh, this is like Alexander Pierce and the Mandarin. And the Mandarin. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Um, that is a nice scene, too, it, when they're in their glass It's so case. good. And again, they reprise the conversation that they had at the beginning. Yeah. Where it, just on a, on a grander scale, talking about bringing down all institutions. Uh-huh. And, and the thing is, yeah, we talk about like the group, like Aykroyd, Phoenix, Sidney Poitier, Robert Redford. Like, oh, they all stray hair. They all work really well together. They must have had a great rapport. They must have really enjoyed The fact that he got fucking Ben Kingsley on this project, too. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's a good get. It, it, Absolutely. I mean, don't be... <laughs> don't, don't be dissuaded because Ben Kingsley's done like those bad Dungeons and Dragons movies. Uh, he also did he, fucking Schindler's List, though. Yeah, so yeah, he did. He's he's earned his right to you do. You know who else did Schindler's List? What? Uh, Ray Fiennes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> didn't know where you were going with it. <laughs> I was just gonna go with some like obscure actor. Um, yeah, no, that's 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 all I've got. What did sneakers Oof. do right? Uh, I love that it is still relevant today. The themes, yeah. uh, even more so maybe now. Timeless. About, uh, it is all about the information. It's about the little ones and zeros. It's all about electrons, as Ben Kingsley says. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, this is this is the way wars are, are fought now. Not with, uh, not with guns, but with information. Guns. Uh, who could have foreseen social media playing such a, a part in it? But um, yeah, very um, e- easy to reflect back on and, and not get 
tied into the technology of 1992 because sure. it's not about the technology. It's about what we do with it. Right. Uh, this is a smartly constructed script. It's elevated. I talked to, I talked about this earlier. It's elevated by the strength of a great ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is seriously like one of, if not the best cast film. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, I sit here and I look at this movie and I'm like, who is the weak link? It was a hard one to Who's recast. Who is the weak link? Because this is so well done. These characters that continue to affect the story, they aren't forced to react to what happens to them. They impact the course and that that makes it really fun. It's super fun to watch characters that are competent and you know, you're not watching them like constantly be like fucked over and have to react to yeah. it. Like, oh wow, look at this. This is the It's not Jack from Lost. It's not Jack from Lost. The world is just washing over him. It's not Ocean's Eleven. No, where they have everything under control and they're playing. Shit goes wrong. Shit goes wrong. At the end, Mm -hmm. when uh, Whistler and Sidney Poitier are in the the van and the guys show up with the guns. (laughs) And uh, the the camera gets pulled (laughs) Yeah, with the blind guy gets to drive the van. There's going to be a slight... (laughs) What what does he say? Like, there's there's a slight slope. You're going to hit just a slight slope. (laughs) He's like, go right. No, no, my right. Your left. (laughs) Never. Just keep coming. You're good. And he's like, in about... Stop in about five seconds. (laughs) Bam! (laughs) It just runs into the wall. <laughs> what did sneakers do wrong? Uh, so I, I do think um, it is a little uneven in moments. I think it's a little heavy-handed sometimes in, in uh, what it's trying to say, or at least the way that it conveys the information. It's not always super silky smooth, sometimes a little sloppy. And I think sometimes the humor works against it. Like I said in, in that ending, um, I thought maybe that was a little uh, out of place for the, the tone of the rest of the film. Um and and even that, oh, I'll tell you the scene where Mary McDonald, her character, has to uh, talk to, has to get the password from Stephen Toblowski. <laughs> it was funny watching it the first couple of times. It's kind of one of my least favorite scenes yeah. now because a little, it is a little contrived. She's trying to, you know, the a word I've always wanted to hear a man say is passport. And it's like, no, I'm not. But I love it. that he it's says that as... as they're fucking walking in the building. And right. He's like, oh, I've always wanted to hear the word passport. I get it. But even in the moment, like you wouldn't figure that out. Like that seem that doesn't seem nearly as clever as some of the other yeah. solutions that they have in this film. Right. Um. I yeah. I guess I I kind of I see what you're saying there. Um, but I, I'm nitpicking now. No, and I, and I get you. Mine is pretty nitpicky too, uh, because while I love that they gave this movie moments where it could stretch out and breathe and develop, and and it's really nice when they do that, like when they're trying to figure out how Redford, like where he was taken and what's going on and what's happening. You know, and we've tracked this building, and these are the people that come out at this time. They make sure, for the most part, they try to explain every key bit of information. Right. They try to explain like how they got it, what it means. Uh, how important that's going to be moving forward. But it definitely bloats the running time of this movie. This is There's a, just, no reason this movie couldn't be under two hours long. It does move at a pretty good clip, um, but but there are some things that are stretched out that nowadays, yes, they probably would have been, like that scene, we don't need it. Yeah. Get it out of there. Yeah. But I appreciate... But it helps develop the character. I was just going to say, I, I give it a pass because you get to know these characters more. Yes, we could have cut the scene where they all had to stay overnight's and uh, Sidney Poitier is kind of locking the place he down. He puts on his gun bra. We see, yeah, he has his gun, <laughs> his gun bra and he's loading his gun in the night. But it really creates mood and atmosphere. And, mm-hmm. and again, you get to know more about the characters. You get to see them together. Yeah. Um, and it's not just like Rock the Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> what do you call him? <laughs> you did it. You did it. Rock, Rock the Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson. Johnson uh, you know, run from action scene to action scene. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you would recommend this film. Absolutely. I, I would recommend it too, guys. If you have a chance to watch this movie, please fucking check it out. Seek it out. If you haven't seen it yet, I'm sorry we spoiled it. Uh, no, but you it's, really it, should watch but this But it's movie, in though. the telling of it. Again, yeah. it's, it's the way it's the that ride. it's cinematically telling the story, and it, it really gets your heart pumping. There's some tense scenes in this for being PG-13. That's uh, true. PG-13? Yeah. Yeah, PG-13. Uh, so if we were going to remake Sneakers oh, today... Oh, boy. It's a tough one. How would we do it? I have, I have recast. A I have recast eight. You know what? I started doing that, but wh- I'm curious to see what theme you went with because Let me see, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have nine. You have nine. All right. Yeah. Well, who do, who's your low man? I have, why Bernie, don't you just go ahead and do your theme? I have. Yeah, I'm, do you want I'm, I'm going to do my theme. There's two that don't fit the theme. Okay. I just kind of cast them because it would be fun to see them play these roles. Round it out. Uh, But they're not the mains. Uh, So the James Earl Jones character, Bernard Abbott. Oh, I didn't do him. uh, I have Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, show up with an eye patch. Uh Yes. I have you. 
Um, <laughs> and then I recast Werner Brandes. Oh, we all love him. Uh, with Jim Parsons from Big yes! Bang Theory. Oh, my God, that's perfect. Yeah. So here's my theme. All right. It was another caper film, mm. uh, a film that we both enjoyed, too, called The Losers. <gasps> yeah. Oh, my fucking God. I almost did this. Exa- I even oh, said that to Jenna. Yeah? I did not. Oh, wow. Okay, so yeah. I couldn't make it work. If this is The Losers, my Bishop Marty character would be the Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Uh, the Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah. Uh, Don Kreese, the uh, Sidney Poitier character. That'd be Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whistler would be played by Pooch, Columbus Short. Oh, I uh, like that. While Mother, played by the sniper, Oscar Yaneda. Yeah, I like him. Uh, Carl, the River Phoenix character, played by Chris Evans. Of course. And then Liz would be Zoe Saldana, oh, directed it. by Sylvain White. Dude, that's great. Yeah. I love it. Very clever. Uh, we do have one crossover, but I will get to that. Um, Here we go. My low man on the totem pole, Stephen Toblowski, uh-huh. Werner Brandis. Uh Character actor named Josh Molina, who you may know from the aforementioned... Oh, he's a digger, space. like me. Hmm? Isn't that isn't that guy's name Molina, the guy from Jurassic Park? He's like, oh god, yes. Doctor Grant is like me. He's a digger. he's a digger. That's not the actor though. That's really racist too for him to say that about Doctor Grant. <laughs> Go, call him the D word. <laughs> no, Josh Molina. He was on uh, the United Degro College Fund. He played Jeremy. On- <laughs> He played Jeremy on Sports Night. Uh, he was in West Wing as well. Um, and I want to say, like, The Good Wife as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Everything Aaron guys. Sorkin's ever looked at. Pretty much. Uh, but I love him. Uh, so I like him in that Give role. Warner Brandis. Warner Brandis. How about Mary McDonald? She's oh, the, I did. My Cosmo would be Jason Patrick, obviously. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, totally, saying, but I skipped over that. No, that's perfect. Mary McDonald. I went with Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, what about Michelle Pfeiffer? <laughs> River Phoenix. I went with Tom Holland. Speaking of Marvel Universe, nice. That's Dan good. Aykroyd. How about Josh Gad in that one? Okay, David. St- I mean, he's, he's done that before. Yeah, D- actually, that was kind of his character in Pixels, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was. He was like a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, I, I do love those moments between Dan Aykroyd oh and Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier, because he like, used to be in the CIA. Don't start that shit it's again. Like, what now? You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, the uh, CIA were there two days before the JFK assassination. Mo- moose lips or cow lips. <laughs> These are the same types of cameras that they use when they fake the moon landings. <laughs> I like I like how he's doing that where he talks about the microphone. He's like, that's the same microphone that they use to try and transmit across the earth for the moon landing. Thing. That's right. And that Redford just like gives him a look. Everybody's at kind of uh, <laughs> resigning themselves. A little, to yeah, a little indifferent to what he does. His conspiracies. Uh, but yeah, I could see Josh Gad doing that. David Strathern, he's a whistler. How about Tim Blake Nelson? Oh, that's good. Kind of proud of that one. Uh-huh. Sidney Poitier, I also went with Idris Elba. Nice. I mean, like that's just the perfect role for him. Uh-huh. Uh, the Ben Kingsley character, you know, we talked about uh, River Phoenix being in this, and I evoked Joaquin Phoenix earlier. I think he could play uh, a good uh, Cosmo. Yeah. Charlie Cosmo. That would be good. What's the guy's name? Cosmo. Yeah, but what's his first name? Fuck if I know. I don't know either. (laughs) Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, and then he'll be playing opposite George Clooney in the Robert Redford role. Because you need somebody suave. Ocean's Eleven. Also about that same age, exactly. I almost recast this with Brad Pitt. Because Ooh. fucking Brad Pitt looks like fucking Robert Redford now. What? You don't think so? You don't see it? Hmm. I guess I haven't seen photos of Brad Pitt lately. There was There was a point where when I saw A River Runs Through It mm-hmm. and Brad Pitt's in it, directed by Robert Redford, there was a part of me that thought, he does, I wonder if Brad Pitt's like an illegitimate son of like Robert Redford because they fucking look a lot like each other. Circa The Natural when yeah. Robert Redford did that, that kind of young... <laughs> Yep. Randy Newman. <laughs> you got a friend in me. <laughs> Always. Uh, and mine, of course, directed by Christopher Nolan. Very yeah. good, man. Guys, let us know how you would recast Sneakers. Uh, if you have anything else that you'd like to, to say about the movie that we haven't touched on, you can always talk back to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash editing bay, or in the search bar, put in the editing bay, find that image of the woman with the bleeding eyes, and uh, you can go ahead and join the conversation there. If you've got movies that you'd like for us to watch in the future, go ahead and put your suggestions there as well. Joel, we've also got a website, right? We sure do. It's not the editing bay. It's not edit bay. It is editingbay.com. Please go there, bookmark it. Anytime you need to know anything about the editing bay, what our Facebook page is. We have a link to it there. We also have a link to our Twitter handle, which is at the editing bay. Please follow us there. Uh, you're always going to know what movies we're going to be uh, doing in, in upcoming weeks because I'll uh, post it there first. You can also see pictures of us. We have a little about us page. You want to see what our ugly mugs look like. And if you want to hear uh, some of our past episodes that I have not reposted as reruns, we have a whole uh, 
100 or so episodes that uh, you can't get through the RSS feed on iTunes or any other podcasting app. You're going to have to go there. I'm trying to fix that, Joe. I'm trying to get it so that all of our episodes. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it would be awesome. We'd be like a real podcast. I want to be a real boy. Dude, there are a lot of podcasts that have the same problem. That their hosts. Because of fucking Squarespace. Not to name names. (laughs) I totally just called you out. Fuck. Wow. So you're going to find that and more. Shut down your website right now. (laughs) Hopefully you can still find it being hosted by Squarespace on EditingBay.com. Guys, please uh, leave us a review and a rating on your podcasting app. Uh, Works the same way as Facebook. The search bars, man. Put in the Editing Bay and you find that picture. uh, Tap on that and that's where you can leave us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, that helps us out. I know we've talked about it a lot in the past. Every episode where we talk about, hey, man, we need those reviews. It gets us, you know, some kind of sponsorships. That one four-month period when we had, when we had a sponsor, uh, <laughs> we'd like to have that happen again someday. Um, also, you know, it helps us when we try to legitimize doing some kind of live show. Like, Ooh. let people know, hey, we'd like to come in, do a live show with you. Uh, yeah, ratings, reviews, that always helps. All right, so next week, mm. my pick. Yeah. Uh, my show will have opened by then. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I think that the uh, it would be appropriate to do uh, to do something that kind of touches on the, uh, the, 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 the very serious issue of race and race relations. Oh, wow. And, you know, it's, it, it's no joke, especially in this world that we live in today. Uh, that's why we're going to watch Harold and Kumar <laughs> escape Guantanamo Bay. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, it, I think we should do something a little wacky. And we're uh, hopefully, I'd, I've invited her on. We're going to be joined oh. uh, by my director, Dusty Reasons Thomas, uh, nice. who is directing the the, uh, the Foreigner. I almost said The Fugitive. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, she's, she's the director of The Foreigner. Uh, have her come on and uh, and talk about the show a little bit. And also, you know, join us for our wacky talk about movies. Wacky. So it's whack pack. Um, it's a man in the box. Hey, man in the box. Uh, <laughs> so we'll talk about next week, Harold and Kumar, Escape Guantanamo I have Bay. not seen this one. You haven't seen it? I've only seen the original Harold and Kumar, it's, which I love. It's a good movie, Is man. Is there more Neil Patrick Harrison? Oh, yeah. There's more Neil Patrick Harrison in this I'm one. I'm in. Uh, and you should see the, the Christmas one too, the third one. Yeah, yeah, a very Harold and Kumar Christmas. I know there's an animated sequence in there that uh, everybody talks about. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, so good. Uh, all right, guys, Let's not get ahead of ourselves. So uh, next week, Harold and Kumar escape Guantanamo Bay. Jeff, thank you very much. Ugh. Joel, always a pleasure. The pleasure's all mine. See you next week, guys. Thanks. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.